Thanks for joining us for part two of Martha's episode of the Funeral Cast. Stay tuned for her lesson on funeral history, but first, a word from our sponsor. Hi, everybody. I'm sure as an embalmer, the first thing you do when you get to the funeral home is to check your embalming from the previous day. Each time you walk into the prep room, you take a moment to hold your breath and hope that you don't see the effects of organisms post-embalming. If this is you, we can help. Frigid Stop has an active ingredient that targets bacteria, including Clostridium perfringens, by drying out its cellular membrane and allowing formaldehyde to do its work. It doesn't only have this effect on microorganisms either. It will also kill maggots through either arterial injection or topical application. The ingredients in Stop are also found in the mixture of 36 Plus and premium cavity fluid as well. If you are looking for an insurance policy for your prep room so you can breathe easy when coming into work the next day, visit frigidfluid.com today and pick up a case or three. Quick note on the show, we do discuss the conference being April 19th through the 21st. That date has changed since the episode date. We are now having the Embalm Better Conference April 20th through the 22nd, simply pushing it back a day. Oh yeah, it's also good for seven CE hours in Illinois. So we look forward to seeing you there. So like in addition to this presentation, one of the other things that you are present with is your funeral history Instagram. Yes. yes. Um, which I was, which I was like from the beginning, I thought was one of the coolest things, right? And you did this to raise money for the Mike James Foundation, right? By auctioning right. Um, like cool stuff that he had in his collections books. So, so Mike was, um, a funeral director or I'm sorry, Mike was an embalmer for over 45 years in Denver. And I worked with him, um, for several years and he was, um, I, I met him when I started in funeral service in the 1980s and, um, and, and he was a preceptor to a lot of the students at Arapahoe Community College. And so he got the preceptor of the year award a couple of times. Um, and when he died, just through family circumstances and, and being estranged from his family, I just by too long of a story to share here, but a cool one nonetheless, I was the one that 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 had the honor of holding Mike's hand when he died. Oh. And so when um, his family went to his house, they, um, the, the daughter-in-law called me and she said, we're at Mike's house. There's a bunch of funeral stuff here. Um, would you be interested in coming over and getting it for the school or for your program or whatever? And I said, sure. So I got, <laughs> I, I dumped my clothes my dirty clothes out of my laundry basket and I grabbed this laundry basket because I thought I don't want a box you know like I, I don't need to box anything I'm just going to put a couple things in here and um one of my co-workers at the college Jim Hurley said do you want me to meet you over there and I said nope I'm just gonna put the stuff in here and I'm just gonna get out of their way so I showed up and Mike was a hoarder like like the tv show <laughs> Like oh, you wow. see that like when they came in to take him out, when someone asked to do a well check, they had to clear a path 
to his bedroom to be able to take him out. So when I say hoarder, I mean to the level of the TV show hoarder. So um, (laughs) as we started going through things and I started finding things, it very quickly became evident that I was not going to be able to fit it all in a laundry basket. (laughs) 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 So I ended up calling Jim. And so that would have been in January of 2017. I called Jim Hurley. He came over with his car. That night we filled up his 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 SUV, my car, went back um, the next day, filled our cars up again. The family continued to call me for almost a year. They would call and they would say, we're in the basement. Do you want to come over? We're in the garage. Do you want to come over? So I would go over and I, I would go through and I would try to find all the funeral related stuff. So mm-hmm. I kept it in my my front room, which had just been completely taken over by this humongous antique funeral collection. And I and I I I wanted to to do something that would get it out of my house, that would um document it, what the collection was, and would um uh be able to um just be a, a nice uh tribute to Mike. And in funeral service. So I started the Mike James Memorial Endowment at Arapahoe Community College, and I started selling these items. And um, I've raised about 15000 which isn't a ton. But when you consider it's by selling antique drain tubes and, <laughs> and books like that, <laughs> you know, it's been a labor of love. But I started that Instagram, Ben, because I thought if I can get maybe um, a, a hundred other people just looking at this stuff. And if it gives me a place to be able to document the collection, because I was very aware that once the first item left my house, that, that the collection would no longer be whole. Mm-hmm. And it was important for me to figure out how to document this, how to um, uh, just take take something that I had been given and do something good with it. And so that Instagram now is almost, uh, it's over 9,000 people. I think I'm at like 9,300 or something. Um, people love it. Uh, they buy this stuff. I've, um, I have people from all over the world that follow it. And so it was something that I'd had an interest in. Um, but never really had time to um, to delve into. So I would pick up a um, a bot- an old bottle of embalming fluid, and I I can pick up a bottle now, and I can look at the bottom of it, and I know what all those numbers mean that are on the bottom of it because I started googling that and researching that, and it's like, well, I can tell you that this this bottle was made between you know, 1935 and 1950 based upon the markings on the bottom and things like that. So I kind of, I I called that, that front room in my house, I called it the looking glass because every time I would walk into it, I would fall into it and it would just be like hours before I could get my, myself out of there because I would just start researching and just having so much fun. And so it was, it was an interest and a passion that I didn't even know that I had. Well, it seems to be pretty effective, and you also made use of it to, like, talk about some cemetery stuff and, like, other stuff. Yes. That's so yes. so it's, yep. it's, it really has sort of taken on that um, funeral history um, handle. So speaking of which, right, yes. you're, we have a couple of 
funeral history things that we are going to talk about. You know, this is all, funeral history, and, and this is why I got jazzed up about it when I saw somebody who's going to kind of take this <laughs> on, was that people love funeral history, right? People, there's all sorts of interesting characters yep. um, that are involved, and we have in funeral history, we have some central people, and then we have kind of contributions from outside, you know, the medical sure. and manufacturing and stuff. So, sure. Um, sure. So we have one today in particular to start with that we want to talk about. Um, August Renoir, if I'm saying that correctly, I'm sorry if anybody <laughs> speaks French. I'm from Chicago and also I'm terrible at pronouncing just regular English words that I grew up with. So, um, so uh, Martha, you want to tell us a little bit about Mr. Renoir? So, um, so August Renard actually had one of the first mortuary schools um, in the United States and it was in Denver. And a lot of people don't know that he lost, and I'm looking at my notes here so that I can give you the the, the correct dates. Um, he lost everything in um, a, in a fire in 1871. And at that time, he came out to Denver and he was a medical doctor. He practiced medicine in Denver and he started um, a three to four day course on how to embalm. And the building that he did that in later turned into um, the Colorado Casket Company. And that building is still in use today. And it is the building right next to Ball Arena, which is where the Colorado Avalanche NHL hockey team play and oh. the um, uh, NBA Denver Nuggets play. And so I always get a kick out of it when I go to one of those games and I'm walking by that building and I just think of all of these thousands of people going in to <laughs> that ball arena and they have no clue that they are walking by this old historic building that has uh, significance to funeral service. That's kind yeah, of cool. That's, that's pretty amazing. You know, I um, had talked about him in class and, um, you know, some say that he was like the first embalming teacher, you know, and so um, I always kind of owed part of my own history of sure. being an embalming teacher to uh, Mel. Had you heard of August Renoir before we brought it up today? No, no, I haven't. I hadn't okay. heard of him. So okay. that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yep. He was, he was, uh, he was an embalmer. Um, uh, Civil War, post-Civil War. And so um, that was kind of how he got his start. But he was a medical doctor. So mm -hmm. he was uh, he was the, at that time, it was primarily medical doctors that were doing the embalming, um, as were over in uh, uh, Europe. A lot of people don't realize that arterial injection, um, uh, Jean Ganal, he actually wrote one of the first the first published embalming book. I think it was, I want to say 1831. I might be ah. off on that. Um, but he he published the the first book on that. And what happened in Europe is that the um the medical community wanted to keep embalming for themselves. They did not want to share it. So people were wanting to learn how to embalm. And they would say, well, the prerequisite to be an embalmer is a medical doctor. So mm. they they basically blocked everyone um, that had any interest in just doing the embalming. And part of it was you have to think about the, 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 the time frame in history, part of how they were 
learning about the human body and such was through potential dissection and embalming and things of that nature. So I get it that they felt like they wanted people with the medical background, but mm-hmm. August Renard was an embalmer in the United States who was like, I can teach people how to do this. And the medical community really wasn't taking it up, even though they wanted it and they wanted to keep control of it. And they saw it, rightly so, they saw it at the time as an extension of the medicine that they had practiced. Right. More and more people were now selecting embalming because the railroad system, because of trains, because people had the ability to get from point A to point B and die someplace else and not at home. So you didn't need to embalm your loved ones who died at home and who you buried at the end of the day or the next day or what have you. But when people started taking trips from St. Louis to Chicago and they needed they needed to be returned to St. Louis, we needed embalmers. And the medical doctors didn't have the time to do that. So August Renard was one of those people that 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 in the United States was one of the first people to teach others who were not in the medical profession. And like he's in the right place, right time, right? Denver being a gateway to the wild west, so to speak, you know, they they would have that, you know, and um, doing a little bit of research on this guy myself, you know, I'm very much an embalming science person and he was um, of the same cut, I think, you know, one of the things that we teach students is anatomical guides and limits and stuff like that. And it's like one of those things, like, I'm sure we're all thinking about our time in mortuary school and like, oh, got to do this. Mm -hmm. He was one of the kind of the first people that was like, it's more than just like making an incision and and looking around in there. Like you need to know adjacent structures and um, where you can locate that. And then the other thing, I actually got the passage here too, is that whenever I talk about, um, uh, embalmers, right, from his time period and before, you know, the embalming fluids that they use frequently were alcohol, right? Right. And right. I always joked that the embalmers were given a little bit to the body, and then they were given a little bit <laughs> to themselves, right? <laughs> and so in researching this guy, yeah, I found this, that he, he, he wrote a book called The Undertaker's Manual, right? Kind of a guy. Right, guide right. With, about the way to comport yourselves and things like that. There's even a section on this on how to be a good assistant and things like that, right? So it was like sort of he came up with some good just funeral directing philosophy. But in this book, he wrote this. um, One great mistake and one which has been repeated too often is the false security some may place in the use of strong liquors to combat and render void the deadly effects of contagion. This has been a stumbling block to many, and without incurring the accusation of being a fanatic in regard to temperance, which for those who are listening, that means that you're not into drinking, we may safely assert that a great many of our professionals have fallen victims to the effect of alcohol, which being used first as a sort of medicinal preventative, soon assumes full sway over the mind and baffles their best efforts to resist it. So thank you, Mr. <laughs> Renard. If I'm saying your name incorrectly, please haunt me and let me know the right way to do it because you have validated this joke that I have been saying for yes, right? years. <laughs> he also um, was a pharmacist. 
Mm -hmm. So he knew, he knew about chemicals. He knew how to mix things. He knew how to try this or that. He knew what reactions caused, you know, when you were mixing things up. So that, that was another thing that he had going for him was just his, his, his knowledge of, (laughs) of chemicals and medicine. Well, I hope when I'm out in Denver that um, I will come visit you and we can go over by yes. the arena. Yeah, that'd be great. Yes. Like, pay yes. homage to uh, Mr. Renoir, right? And, yes. you yes. know, he might have used frigid fluid. You know, he was in Palmer around the same time as the company started. You never know. <laughs> you um, never know. He was always yeah. Well, yes. not only that, but maybe he was like, you know, he's thinking, okay, well, we can't just pour alcohol in everything. That's not the solution to every problem, right? Like, right. you know, it sounds right. like he liked to drink. He's just like, it might not be the best thing for him, vomit, right? <laughs> Don't waste it. Don't waste it on their vomit. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Are you going to ask about Alan Durfee? Oh, yes. Alan Durfee. Right. Another um, funeral or historical figure and um, a relative of yours. So so Alan Durfee was the first president of the National Funeral Directors Association. He was from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And one of the things that I got from Mike's collection was in in 1860s, um, and I won't go into how I dated it, but I'm 100% sure that that was the timeline that it was from, the 1860s, a home embalming kit that was from the Durfee Manufacturing Company at the time, before it was the Durfee Embalming Fluid Company. So I started doing some, uh, some research on him and I found that his wife's maiden name was Thayer, which that's my my maiden name. That's my last name, Thayer. And so I started doing some research on her and found her in my family tree. And so I was like, well, that's kind of cool. So I'm related to Alan Durfee by marriage. Well, <laughs> then I found another article that said that she married her cousin. <laughs> as the world turns well thank you as for the world turns. Your family <laughs> so um and you know it's like what a ridiculous fun fact that i would have never even known about myself if mike's family hadn't called me and said we've got these funeral items do you want to come get them wow it's really like fate so, is just talking mm-hmm. to you right like you 100 percent yeah, 100%. that's that's really good. I, you know, I, there's another um, contemporary of his um, that we sh- that's noted because, like, frigid also owes thanks to this guy, and that's um, inventor Albert Richardson. All right, so first of all, it's really important to note here that Albert Richardson was a person of color, um, mm-hmm. and, and his and he has four patents to his name. Um, uh, in the late 1800s. And one of the things that he invented was the casket lowering device. Right. So um, like that is, uh, you know, I, whenever like people come up with inventions like this, it doesn't matter what it is. It's yeah. like, I feel like I was in the wrong place because this guy was literally like, boy, lowering those caskets down in the ground seems like a real pain in the butt. 
what can we do? Oh, we have pulleys and ropes, and maybe we could do something else about that, right? So he was the first person to patent a casket lowering device which obviously, you know, Frigid makes some very popular and well-used um, uh, lowering devices. I, you know, I had my aunt die over the summer and uh, there was a Frigid device uh, lowering in there, you know, all sorts of right. stuff, like that, you know, so um, they're very ubiquitous in that sense. And so this guy was kind of the start. And then the other thing that's really rad about this is he was the person that invented the butter churn. Oh. <laughs> He was a genius. He was a genius. And he yeah. knew the important, he realized the important things in life. <laughs> but, but, but think about how a casket lowering device yeah. has this, yeah, has this same motion to lower it, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> if you think about it, it kind of is like a little bit of a butter churn. Mm -hmm. Kind of a you thing. Know. So maybe he was just brilliant enough to go, what other what other thing could I take this concept from and apply it? <laughs> Absolute well, genius. It's like, yeah, it's like I'm just so into cranks, you know, and <laughs> yep. so let's let's put on this. So like every time now that you see like an Amish person, for example, churning some butter or whatever, you're like, there is right. dude that <laughs> did that and he also created this. So the other two things, I couldn't find any pictures of this, um, right. was an insect destroyer, which I would have loved to see that, right? Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that just like I love about history is our devices from the 1800s. Like every yes. time I see one, because they always look like, they're just over the top, right? They're just, there's always too much. So I would love to see what this guy's into. Because like, I'm picturing like something you step on and then there's a slap thing or like, you know, like whatever, kind yep. of like a ridiculous um, thing. And then also an improvement of the design in the, of a bottle. So this guy was kind of like plugged into all sorts of stuff, you know? Um, Innovator. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Albert Richardson. Thanks, man. You make my right. right. <laughs> you made you make my job easier, and you made it easier for me to get access to butter. Which who doesn't love that? You know. So, yeah. And you know, one of the things that I've noticed about these inventors and about these people that did these amazing things that that their names have stood the test of time. And I, I haven't looked up Mr. Richardson, so I don't know about him, but. I'm always surprised at how humble their headstone or marker is in the cemetery. You know, like if you're standing there, like death being the great equalizer that it is, but not necessarily a headstone or a marker, or, you know, some people, you know, build their own house, you know, when they uh, die just for yeah. themselves. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I never see these names of these people that I think are just heroes in funeral service. I, I, I never see them in these big ostentatious mausoleums or with these um, super fabulous markers or headstones. They're all just very unassuming. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I think about that and I think about the, the humbleness that they must have carried with them, not knowing that they would still be talked about 150 years later. I think that's kind of cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's not like me at all. I'm definitely going to have a house. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm shopping right. around for my pyramid. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a small pyramid thing the other day and I had a marker the other day and I thought, or headstone, and I thought, you know, I, I think I might want, I think I might want a little pyramid headstone. So, um, you know, I was, we were talking about this um, on a, on another episode and we were discussing the idea of um, augmented reality um, headstones, mm -hmm. right? So you, you know, cause like cemeteries have their certain, like, this is the way it should look in the cemetery, obviously Memorial Park, flush to the ground markers and stuff. Right, right. But what if you could do like a QR code or like an app or whatever, and then the family could put like whatever goofy stuff and flower arrangements and all that other thing around there. Like I could have that pyramid that you like look up and you're like, wow, what a monument to this handsome individual. And, um, you know, okay. it would just be <laughs> a plain headstone, you know, on the ground, like something like that. I think is a company that does that, Ben. If they're if they're if there isn't and somebody starts it, like and going, I think up, I like, think that there yeah, is a company, cool. and I don't I don't know the name of it, but there's a company that you can like scan a QR code. What I think would be cool is you know how you ha can have like the picture frame yeah. where the rotating pictures. I think it would yes. be so cool to be able to figure out something like that where you could push the button, kind of yeah. like you're at the museum. You know, you can push the button and the little show mm -hmm. starts. Mm -hmm. and the you, little audio. You, you, could, you could power it. You could power it from the sun. Yeah. Yeah. That would be neat. You don't need electricity. That would be, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. screen technology is extremely accessible, as we all know. I mean, you can yep. put a screen on anything. So why not put it on a headstone and figure out a way to make it a little bit more durable to the elements? And then, yep. uh, exactly. you know, you're good to go. So, yeah. All right. So um, that's uh, all I have for you all today. Um, uh, Martha, you have anything else that you would like to plug before you go? You know, I don't. Um, I'm on Instagram at Funeral History, and we're going to have a lot of fun in Mexico, in Cancun. Um, I was there two years <laughs> ago, and I didn't present. Um, I was an attendee and had an absolute blast. And um, and so now that I have my bearings with it, and I've been once, um, I'm really looking forward to going back and uh, would love to meet you if you have any questions or anything about it. Um, send me a, a DM on Instagram at Funeral History. Excellent. And and that's funeral history, one word, no underscore. Funeral history, one word. Yep. Yep. Okay. And Mel, anything you want to plug before we go? Um, I've enjoyed you guys for this time. You know, coming up in school, it was always just um Thomas Holmes and Von Hoffman that was talked about, okay. you know. So <laughs> it's always cool, you know, to learn more. So sure. I've really enjoyed this. Uh yeah, and looking forward to seeing everyone. Absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun, right? Connecting for people all over, and for those of us yeah. who live in the frozen tundra, right? <laughs> let's get out. We're of going there. to go to Mexico to defrost. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. Okay. Well, we'll see you next time on the funeral cast. See you later. Bye. Would you like to share your thoughts on any of the topics we discussed today? We'd love to hear them. Email your thoughts to bschmidt, that's B-S-C-H-M-I-D-T, at frigidfluid.com, and I'll read them on the show. <laughs>